KYW Original Podcasts. It's just a good conversation with somebody that you didn't know you were interested in. I'm Matt Leon, and this is One on One. It's a very big family. And when people say, hey, you know, over the years as our program has gotten better, you know, when are you moving on? When are you going to Division One? When are you getting this? And I was never in what I would be searching for is what I have. You're going out to search for something that you quickly realize you already have right in front of you. And our guest this week is Cabrini University head men's lacrosse coach Steve Colfer. He led the Cavaliers to the national championship this past season. And coach, thanks so much for coming in. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Uh, really nice to, to be here sitting, talking to you face to face after many conversations over the phone <laughs> over these years. So. How does it feel to be a national champion? How has life changed for you over the last few months? Uh, well, I'm sitting in the studios of KYW, <laughs> so that, A, that's number one. Uh, it's been wonderful. It's been great for our university and, and great for the athletic department. Uh, and obviously for our alumni and our team, the players and the parents. You know, it's just been brought a lot of attention to them and positive, you know, uh, uh, about their experience and their contributions. And um, that's been the best part, the connections that I've been able to make, the programs have been able to make, our players have been able to make with people that we otherwise might not have. It's been surreal. It's been it's been wonderful. It's it's been uh, it's been awesome. You can see why you see you hear a lot of times in the adage in pro sports it's so difficult to win back-to-back championships because of some of the unforeseen distractions that happen with a championship um and we're trying to navigate that and 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 um the best we can but um these things have been wonderful and we're going to take advantage of it because i think it's 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 great recognition for our again our university and our athletic program who has put so much and so many resources into our program to allow us to be successful and have this experience and you mentioned surreal. How long did it take until it settled in? I mean, was it the time you're maybe driving down the Schuylkill Expressway and you see the billboard that yeah. celebrates Cabrini's national championship? I mean, stuff like that. Or? Yeah, I actually haven't haven't seen that. I've gotten it sent to me probably a thousand times on my phone by <laughs> others, and I my first response is always like yell at them to put their hands back on the wheel and stop taking pictures while they're driving. Um, but, uh, yeah, moments like that, you know, but there are still literally moment, days where I wake up and, you know, you're still in that little bit of a fog and you're thinking, did that really happen? You know what I mean? And, and, uh, uh, and then the reality of seeing those, those um, signs and posters and, and just reminders kind of make it, make it real. And then obviously the players, right, the players that you see and, and even some of the seniors who have graduated who I've crossed paths with since they graduated – um, you know, they went out on such a high note and they get to, you know, they have just a different feeling. The junior sophomores and freshmen are back already in school working towards the 2020 season. Um, so they are trying to clear their brains as best they can of this so they can move forward on this year. And as we are doing with co- as coaches, but when we get a chance to sit with like some of the seniors from last year's team, um, you know, it's, it's, it's you're right back in the moment and, uh, and it really starts to become much more real then. So you grew up in Westchester, correct? Yeah, yes. Lacrosse always a big part of your life growing up, or did you no, come I mean, to the sport I, a little late? Yeah, I came to the sport probably a little bit late. You know, seventh grade, I think maybe we started. I think the league formed in, in Westchester, and um, you know, grew up playing little league baseball and basketball and swimming and and and, and uh, backyard football and and you know, just the, the sports that were more popular in the day. And uh, I was fortunate enough to grow up in a great neighborhood that was. Um, you know, had a lot of kids around our age who just love sports, and we just grew up playing and making up games and playing. And and uh, we saw some old, some of the older brothers in the um, neighborhood started playing lacrosse, and we were kind of like, "What was that?" In the first early years, half the neighborhood had baseball gloves on, the other had sticks, and we would just have catches, right? And whether we were throwing a lacrosse ball or a baseball, they would either catch it just to work on their skills or vice versa. And then we had a chance to uh, a couple of buddies of mine signed up. And the first couple of years, I played Little League Baseball and lacrosse at the same, in the same season. I would just kind of alternate days or split days playing morning baseball, afternoon lacrosse, up until I got into high school, and that's where I concentrated on lacrosse. Um, when did you start to realize, I mean, concentrating it is the one thing. When do you start realizing, I'm pretty good at this? Uh, I don't know if I ever realized that. I mean, I loved it. I loved being team sports. I felt like, you know, lacrosse back when I was playing was um, – uh, it was still kind of new, so the guys who got into the game earlier kind of were ahead of the kids who were starting in high school, right? So th- that two years of participation um, really, I think, helped me as I got to high school, you know, make the varsity team probably earlier than I would have, 
um, and and start getting playing time earlier than I you know probably would have if everyone was at you know potentially just following the same. But being a sophomore and being on varsity and starting and and so forth and. You know, you get towards your junior year, and I think a couple guys graduated and went on and played college across the year, thinking, well, all right, well, like, I'm playing with them pretty much every day. You know, maybe there's a spot out there for me. Um, and um, But, you know, my, pop, my, my personality is not to ever think too far down the road, just kind of take it as it comes and, 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 uh, and, um, and to have the opportunity um, to play high school and, and be on a winning team my senior year and, and to have the ability to look at colleges that had programs and um, you know, kind of connect the dots of, hey, I can do this in college was, um, you know, I think the reality probably hit somewhere time, somewhere in the middle of my senior year of high school, you know. And you went to University of Scranton? I did, yeah, yeah. What was the college lacrosse experience like for you? So there was a newer program at that point. Um, I think the program at the University of Scranton started somewhere in the mid to late 80s, so I got there in, in the early 90s. So we, we, we were still in our infancy, and, and I think they were on their second head coach at that point. And, and so we were like kind of learning by doing, you know, but I always think about those um, experiences as probably some of the greatest influences on my coaching philosophies and uh, abilities because, you know, we were working with a coaching staff that was, you know, understaffed, underfunded, and, and we had to contribute. And we have, I was fortunate enough to play with a lot of teammates that came from pretty successful high school programs around um, the northeast part of the United States who came from really some really um, pedigree head coaches, and they brought um, – just drills and philosophies and things that we're doing. We would talk the game all the time. And, uh, and uh, I think when I look back at it, um, those experiences probably had as much influence on my coaching, um, ex- um, you know, interest and, and ability to kind of um, improvise when I needed to because of some of the things that we were faced with. So, but great teammates, great experience, guys that I still am connected with today. Um, you know, a bunch of them were at the national championship game. And some guys I haven't seen in a very long time. Other guys I've connected through this Cabrini team. Um, they've reached out to me, and some guys that I've been friends with since since the day I stepped on campus. So, but it was a wonderful experience, one I wouldn't trade out. Um, sure, you always want to win a little bit more, um, but um, the friendships and the experience that I had, I think, probably had a very strong influence on who I am as a coach today. Was coaching always on your radar? I love sports. I love athletics. I love being around teams. Um, I, I, if someone had said back in the day you could be a coach, I would have said yes in a second. Um, I think when I got into college and started focusing on my academic program, thinking, well, um, that's just not a reality, right? You get a degree, and in my case, I was in the in the school business and get a business degree, and you move into a business field, and that's how you support yourself. And um, and so. I, I loved the idea of it, but didn't really know how to actualize it. Uh, and um, was fortunate when I was working up in New York City, you know, p- applying my college uh, business degree to have an opportunity um, at night to work at an indoor athletic facility um, that was just starting um, in, down uh, Chelsea Piers, which was a, a brand new entity down there. And it was an indoor sports arena. And um, the guy running asked me to come in and, um, you know, get an organized lacrosse, something going, whether it be lessons or a league or anything, just to use the space. And I was doing that three, four nights a week while working, you know, 40, 50 hours in Midtown, um, you know, in my my other career at the time. And uh, just found myself more and more trying to find ways to get down there and, and working Saturday and Sunday. I was living with three other guys at the time in, 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 in North Jersey. And they're you know, like, where are you? Like, <laughs> you go to work on Monday. We don't see you all week. And you're, you're getting home at 1, 1 a.m. at night. And you're on the train the next morning at 7 a.m. Like, and it was just I, I found a passion. And I didn't realize it. And, and that, that somewhere during that experience, I realized I could turn a passion into a career. Uh, and the light went on, and, and that's where I knew I had to find a different path, and, and that was going back to pursue a, a graduate master's degree and, and try to then, you know, barge my way into the education field and, and uh, with coaching, you know, hopefully being kind of a, an, a side experience that I could help, you know, um, maybe gain some, some employment because of it, the combination of the two. So how tough was that change or that transition uh, it was huge. I mean, you go from living in in, in Midtown Manhattan, um, being a young guy and, and, and having a pretty good salary for the time and, and age. And I moved home, back home to Westchester, Pennsylvania, and, and sold my car and got myself enrolled in a graduate program and uh, 
you know, the guys I was living with at the time were like, what are you doing? You know what I mean? And, 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 uh, I just said, listen, I'm, I'm going to follow, uh, 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 a dream right now. And, uh, so it was, you know, but it was okay. Once I, I, I'm a pretty committed guy and I committed myself to it and I jumped in both feet and, um, uh, you know, went back to school with no understanding of how I was going to work coaching into it. Just, I knew I needed to get my degree and as luck would have it, as I got home, I called my old high school coach at Slazianum, um, where I went down in Wilmington, Delaware. And I said to, and his, uh, Pat Scarpello, I said, coach, Hey, it, it, it's Steve. I'm back in the area. I, I'm going to grad school. I'd love to help out with the team. And, uh, he, he said, yeah, we'd love to have you back. You know, we're always looking. I said, okay, you know, what do I need to do? And this was maybe like early February. And, um, he said, well, you know, I'd love to have you coach with me. Here's, here's the only, you know, rub. And I said, all right. And, and I'm assuming he's going to say like, Hey, you're going to work with the JV, the freshman, you're going to do whatever. And I was happy to do whatever. He said, I just left Slazianum, your alma mater. Um, I said, okay. And he said, I just took a job at Cabrini college at that time in Radnor. And I want you to come and coach with me. And I said, coach, I said, come on. I said, I appreciate it, but I, I, I have very little coaching experience. You're asking me to come and coach college lacrosse. And he said, no, you'll be fine. You know, what you don't know, you'll learn. And, and you know, it's going to be new for me. You know, he was a very successful high school coach who had done it for, you know, probably about 10 years. And he wanted the next challenge. And um, luckily, I, he offered. And luckily, I said yes. And after four years of being his assistant, he had an opportunity to move on to the University of Delaware as, as one of their assistants. And I got an opportunity to be offered the head coaching position in the fall of 2000. And, um, you know, and, and here I am. Did you take a, a moment that fall of 2000 to kind of think like what a wild ride the last few years here have been and how, how'd I get here? Yeah. I mean, so it's the funny thing is when young assistant coaches come to me and say like, what, what's the pathway to becoming a head coach? I'm just like, uh, you know, I don't know if I'm the right guy. You know, I, I showed up at work one day and, and it was late in the summer, almost, I think the, 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 the next school year had begun. It was like a late August. And Pat resigned, and, and that day, and again, this was, you know, over 20 years ago at this point, um, or close to 20 years ago, uh, the AD, John Zeke, the, a longtime successful AD out there who was a legendary basketball coach, came up and found me, and I was just sitting out on one of the practice fields watching a, a field hockey scrimmage, and uh, just kind of thinking, well, Pat's leaving, I'm out of a job, now what? You know, what, what do I do now? Uh, and John sits down next to me and he said, you talked to Pat. I said, I did. And, and, you know, I'm assuming, Hey, I'm going to have to do a search and, you know, you know, blah, 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 blah. And, and he said, are you ready? You know? And I said, you know, I kind of paused and he, and I looked at him and he said, are you ready to be the next head coach? Uh, and I said, I, I, I I'm not sure. Uh, I said, but I'll give you everything I got. I, I will, what I don't know, I'll, I'll go find out. Uh, and uh, I'll work very hard at it, and uh, I do love coaching, and, and as long as, you know, I said to John, as long as you'll continue to mentor me and guide me and push me in the right directions, I, I think I'll be okay, and he was uh, gracious enough to offer that position, and uh, again, you know, here I am today, you know, and, and um, so it's, uh, timing is everything in life, it really is, it's it's crazy when you look back at it, it was uh, a weird uh, coincidence to get to Cabrini and then to have that opportunity as an assistant under my old high school coach and then to have the opportunity to become a head coach and, and to have the college evolve and become a university, our athletic department, to continue to watch that evolution. And obviously I felt like our lacrosse program has um, has followed a similar path, you know, and, and, and I'm very proud of that. When you get when you become a head coach, now you had served as an assistant, but yeah. were you aware at that point, did you know what you didn't know? To be a head coach, if you know what I'm saying? Yeah, uh, I think so. I, I think so. I think the one thing I, I was pretty clear about, because as you know in sports, everyone has different roles in, in the coaching staff, you know? And, um, I mean, the, the simple cliche is good cop, bad cop, right? Uh, and, and a lot of times the assistants are in college sports are younger. They're a little bit more um, connected to the players. Players are struggling with something, either academics or life, or maybe they got in a little trouble on or off game. They'll come to the assistant coaches to, to kind of, broker a deal, you know, so to speak. How do we go to the, how do we go to the coach? How do, so you develop that role as an assistant coach and, and some things you're able to help with, some things you need to bring the head coach in and something, you know. Um, so you develop that role and then you move them to the next one seat over and it's a big difference, right? And I think early on I was very clear in trying to, you know, make that, that line clear uh, and hire assistants that would fill my role, but also then assimilate into the head coach. But 
Yeah, I mean, I'm a guy that's always in search of the answer, right? If I don't know it, I search out others who I think who may or might be able to point me in the right direction. I, I've never um, felt that I had all the answers, and I, I still don't and will never. Uh, I just feel like we continue to search for it, uh, and I think the way I approached being a head coach was no different than that. I think the one thing, the advice I got long ago was hire really smart people and let them do their job. You know, trust the people and empower the people around you, and don't be threatened by that. Um, and I love hiring really smart, intelligent um, uh, lacrosse coaches because I think you know I've gotten better and I've become in the head coach that I've become the head coach I have because of that. And I've been fortunate and blessed over the years to have some great guys that have really um, taught me a lot. Um, and so I was never threatened by bringing in assistant coaches who 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 knew a lot, or, and some may argue may knew more than me at the time. Um, and I think that has helped me in my evolution as a head coach. Now, it's interesting. We talk a little bit about, and we'll talk more about it later, the national championship, but I don't want people to think that this was a miracle run out of nowhere because this will be your 20th season, am I correct? Yeah. You have won your conference 19 straight years. Your career win percentage is a shade under 800. You've made the NCAA tournament the last 18 years. What has allowed you to have that type of success at that level with no hiccups? I think going back to your original question about do you ever see, you know, who, who, who are your influences? And, and as a young person watching athletics, either at the college or pro level, it's, it's, I think I was very, tried to be very observant of not only successful programs and coaches and philosophies, but when they stumbled, how did they rebound? And, and, and I think it manifested itself and, and really caught, you know, fire this year when we talk about that 1-0 and mentality, you know, you know that, and, and, and how we really kind of gave that, um, you know, instilled that mentality in this year. But that's really always been my mentality is, is to look at each year. It's his own entity. We talk about it each year in our first team meeting that this team, this given year has a one-year life expectancy, and we're going to work as hard as we can together to get the most out of it because next year's team is going to be different with a different group of personalities with seniors graduating and freshmen coming in, and last year's group is obviously different. And I think, so I've worked very hard each year to get the best out of each group. And then you work that back to each semester, each month, each week, each game. And uh, I know it's, 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 it's cliche in sports, um, but it really is something that was impressed upon me at a young age, you know, observing athletics um, to really just focus at the task at hand uh, and to try and find other guys, coaches and players that in some way, shape, or form, you can assess they have a similar mentality. And if you surround yourself with them, then you're all kind of pulling in the same direction. Um, And so I think that has been, you know, um, I think we just, I always say we try to recruit guys that hate losing more than they like winning. Uh, And I think that that is, um, that kind of motivates and fuels you in a different way. Like winning and hating losing sound the same, but they are different groups of people um, in my mind, especially when you put them in, a, in a, an athletic culture or a locker room or on a sideline. So the first few years when you have the success and you win your first few conference titles, stuff like that, do you feel like, because not a lot of guys out of the gate have success like yeah. that, do you feel like it's unusual or does it just feel natural? No, it feels, uh, yeah, you're, Listen, I'm also an historian, right? Like streaks don't go on forever. They're broken, right? They, that a streak is made to be broken. Uh, you know, there are things that we always say that's an impossible record to break, and then someone breaks it, right? The bar gets upped. I think that's just human nature. Um, so you really have no relevance. I really had no relationship to the streak at all. You know, the year it finally became like we were closing in on the NCAA conference. Like they had to continue to remind me like, you know, like it just, it never was something we talked about. It's not something one group passes on to the next. The seniors don't bring in the next group of seniors and say, Hey, you got to protect this streak. And, you know, it's just something we have never, ever really talked about. And and again, that's not to be cocky or to be arrogant, or it's just, it's just not something that we've dwelled on. But you know, when people around you are talking about it, you'd be an idiot or fool not to hear the talk a little bit. How that influences you, obviously, is a different, you know, discussion. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's wild 
to think that we're here and people come in and we just hired a new graduate assistant and he's looking and he's saying, is this right? You know, like this can't be right. Right. And I was like, yeah, I, I think it is, you know? And he's like, wow. You know, like I had no idea what I was stepping into. I said, you're not stepping into anything. You're stepping into helping us get this team to be one and oh on February 15th, our first game. That's all you got to worry about. And, uh, so, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's not something you ever set out to, no one sets out to, you know, to do something like that. We just want to be good today. And just to throw out, we mentioned consecutive, you've won 121 straight conference games, which is yeah. just absurd. Yeah. Uh, the thing with that is we treat those games, every one of those games, like we're playing in the national championship, you know, and, and, and again, that's, you know, we, we said that before we played in the national championship, you know, I mean, like we play that game like it's our last, like it's the most important game of the year and we want to be one to know that day. And I think more importantly, we mentally and physically prepare the week of that game the same way. If we lower the bar and expectation those weeks going into those games, assuming a result because of past results, that's the day we lose. Right. If we show up and say, yeah, hey, C plus effort's going to get me an A result today. We're going to lose that day. Uh, and so we again, we fear that. Uh, and we work our tail off to get a, that, to not allow that fear to become a reality. Uh, and again, I think that goes back to fear losing as opposed to love winning. And it's time for a break here on One on One. We will have more with Cabrini men's lacrosse coach Steve Colfer right after this. It's the smart look at the issues catching fire in Philadelphia. Flashpoint. What we have is a crisis. This goes way beyond just the perpetrator. You know how many times I had stopped people in front of my house from shooting up? It was a moment where black and brown people on the margins got to say, no, we've been hurting. I think we forget that you came from somewhere else, too. Host Jerry Gregg walks you through the flames. On air Saturday evenings at 9.30 and Sunday mornings at 8.30. Or search the Flashpoint podcast on the Radio.com app. And we are back with Cabrini men's lacrosse coach Steve Colfer on one-on-one. So we talk about that type of, of conference dominance. Is there a point, do you immediately feel like that, that you're ready to be a player on the national stage? Or did it take a while for you to feel like the program was at that point? Where you're not shooting every year for the national title realistically, but you you think we're in that discussion. So a couple things. A, we, we started, you know, we always used language about being a national champion, even when it was still way off in the distance. We wanted to build that expectation in, in, in a number of ways. We wanted to build that expectation into our alums as they were moving on. We wanted to build that expectation into our administration, right, so that we are continuing to move the needle forward. And we wanted to build that uh, that into our current players and our future players. So we, we were using that language in our quiet moments as a coaching staff. We were know that we still had some, some, some gaps to fill in and some, and some miles to go. Um, but then as you start to close the gap, you start to see the, the schools that you play out of conference, the perennial top 10, the perennial um, top 20 teams, and you're competing with them. And then you start beating a few of them. And then you start beating more than a few of them. And then some of them still won't play you anymore because they loved playing you when you were just little old Cabrini College coached by a good guy, Steve Colfer. But now it's a different entity when now Cabrini's winning these games. And I had that. I've had that happen a number of times. And um, we had to go and, you know, a lot of times you set up schedules, go home and away, right? A one-year one-way away game, home game. Some years to get on team schedule, they'd say, yeah, you can come here the next two years. I'd say, okay, we'll be there. And it may have been two losses in a row, but I believed for our program and where we wanted to go, we needed that experience. To be the best, you needed to play against the best, see how they do it, um, you know, get up close to it. Uh, and just uh, seeing it from afar sometimes is not the best experience. And so once that gap started to close and our mentality and the players we were recruiting kind of came in, it was easy to say recruits, hey, listen, you're coming to a program doesn't expect to lose any day. That doesn't mean we're going to win every day, but our expectation walking on the field and the week leading up to that in preparation is prepared to win. Uh, and there are, no more, there are no more moral victories in our program. When that moment was, I don't know if we ever publicly addressed it, but I think you could get a sense of it as a, as a coaching staff that that's the direction we were headed in. You know, and, um, you know, maybe 10 years ago or maybe even a little bit more than that, um, you know, where we were realistically starting to be mentioned in the conversation as a national um, level program and a national championship contender. Uh, and, and then for a number of years, we were mentioned in that group and didn't follow through on it. And then everyone's like, ah, oh, well, 
you know, Cabrini's hit their ceiling, right? They've hit their ceiling, and 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 maybe it's time for Colfer to go or whatever it may be. Um, and um, but we never allowed that to really distract us from what, what what we were doing. You know, do you remember a specific game where it started to become tangible to you that you had reached that elite level yeah. where there wasn't a team in the country you couldn't play with? So, I, you know, I go back, and this is, I've had this question a couple times this year, and so, I, you know, I, I would think, you know, and I go back and, uh, you know, I look at some of the pictures and some of the stories, and we just had our Hall of Fame induction ceremony um, last Friday, and two, two former players came, came in, and, uh, you know, obviously those are great opportunities to connect with your old players, and we were talking about some different years along the way in games. Uh, you know, the, the 07 season stands out. We, we, we won a game in double overtime against Hampton Sydney out of Virginia, who was a traditional Final Four, Final Eight team at the time and coached by a legendary Hall of Fame coach, Ray Rostand. And to win that game at Cabrini was a, was a moment. And then about a month later at Cabrini again, we were playing Cortland State, who was the reigning national champ. Uh, and we beat them in overtime at Cabrini. And, and uh you know, so they're holding the trophy, and you know, um, they didn't end up winning it that year, but they got back to the national championship that year, but lost. Um, but we won that game, and I think that was a moment for me and a bunch of the guys that had been with me, some of the assistants that we looked around and said, "All right, you know, we're not fully there, but we're pretty darn close." You know, did I realize it was going to take another twelve years to get to the national championship and win? No, but I think every year we came back with that hope that this we have a team, we have a group that's going to compete and we're going to put ourselves in potentially in the position to win our last game. And uh, and I think that's probably kind of, you know, those are the years that we really were, were, were chugging and grinding and trying to, you know, putting, you know, the destination of, of a Final Four and a national championship um, game appearance and ultimately win, you know, kind of on the um, list of things to do. Once you start to... It becomes tangible where the program is. Did you have to adjust anything in your coaching style or approach? You talked about the scheduling yeah. problems that presented, but yeah, I think we, you know, I think we just looked around and did, you know, you look, you know, again, I, if someone is out there talking about, you know, how to do something better, and in this case, lacrosse, I'm going to go listen. I don't necessarily take everything and incorporate everything, but we're always looking for a better way, you know. And and I get draw influences off a lot of different sports. You know, you'll find me in in our field house watching men's and women's basketball practice a lot. I've taken numbers and numbers of drills over the years and 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 incorporated them into our lacrosse. Uh, I go to any state, regional, national convention where someone's talking about. Uh, X's and O's and concepts and leaderships and uh, leadership skills and and uh, culture things within athletic programs and see if those of those things may work for us. Um, so I, I don't know if I have to refine or change anything. I, I think evolve, you know, continue to evolve. And as the players got better, um, you didn't need to be. Uh, you did. You, we have our core beliefs, our non-negotiables that we work on, um, but you didn't have to start. Um, from step zero every year. You know, their skill was pretty good, and they were a little bit more higher-end players coming in each year where you could get them on the field after a couple of days. You're looking around your staff saying, we can skip a few steps here. You know, these group of guys, we've done our job as recruiters. We can start to advance the ball a little further in terms of what we want to do and how we want to deploy these guys. Um, so it was just keeping up with that, you know. And so, uh, and I don't know if there was an exact moment. I don't think there was, but I think it was just that, you know, and our, our, we've always wanted to play fast, but we've definitely sped up over the years. But a lot of it, I think, is our athletes have sped up and the athlete that we were be able to, you know, attract to Cabrini University's program because of our success um, has allowed us to do some things that we were able uh, wanted to do and, and really um, work for us offensively and defensively. So that those are the things that I think have evolved me and changed me a, a little bit um, as a head coach. What was, if any, you mentioned, you know, 07, you, yeah. and you didn't think it would take 12 years. What was the level of frustration some of these years where you're at that high level and you can't quite break through because yeah. that's the most difficult step, obviously, is yeah. that final one? Yeah, I mean, uh, listen, mo- most in Division Three men's lacrosse, like you, 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 there, there's not neutral site games until the national championship. You're on the road. Uh, I think in our history, we've only lost two ever NCAA tournament games at home. Uh, and um, so usually when we've lost in the tournament out of those 18 years, 
that we've been in the tournament. We've lost on 16 out of them. We've lost on the road. So we were the lower seed. Again, lower seeds win games in in tournament play all all the time, but it wasn't like we were going in as a high seed uh, and getting knocked off and, you know, kind of like, oh, here they go again, big, big regular season number, but can't, you know, can't deliver in the uh, postseason. Um, But I think the frustrations were, you know, just trying again as as a head coach, trying to make sure we were doing everything right in the regular season and we were pulling the right levers and we were putting the kids in the right position. Uh, Again, I know that's what you hear a lot of coaches say, you know, they want to take the responsibility off their players and put it on them. Um, and, and and I'm no different in that. Um, so there was frustration, but it was always tinged with hope that we were moving in the right direction. And I say this a lot, and I've said this a lot this year when people ask me, like, I said, you got to remember, you got to celebrate the little victories too. Uh, if you're just focused on one end goal and, 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 you know, let's just say we didn't win this, this May, you know, we got the national championship and we came up short and I coach another, I don't know, 15, 20 years. I hope my wife's not listening to this. Uh, and, uh, and um, we don't win. Is was it a successful career? Yeah, it sure as hell was. You know what I mean? Because coaching is about influence and educating young men or young women. It's about you know helping them guide through sometimes difficult years in their lives. It's about helping them through and mentoring them through tough decisions and tough choices and and being there for them. And you know that we've won more than we've lost. I'm proud of, but th- that's not what defines me as a head coach and 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 our program success. Um, you know, and I mean, and I, so the frustration was, I wanted always to win the last game for those guys, the guys that, that cried, that sweated, that bled, you know, all the things that you hear, um, throughout the years and, and, um, you know, having a chance this year to do that finally, you know, it was a reward not only for this team, but for all the guys that have come before them. So I, I never went home frustrated in the sense that I was disappointed in the result. Yes. Um, but uh, knew that we were stay consistent, stay true to who you are, uh, stay cons- true to our culture, uh, and and have a belief that ultimately that's going to pay off. So let's say you and I are talking week before your first game in this season. What are you telling me as far as hopes, ceiling? Obviously, you you know you're very good, but. Did this group have anything a little extra that even then you could see? So jump back to the, you're talking about the 2019 team. Okay. Uh, Well, this is what I've kind of been pulling on lately. We had a tremendously committed group of seniors. When I say committed, they were committed to each other, first and foremost. They had been through some shared experiences on and off the field. Um, That bonded them in a way that I don't know any other group has. Um, So... That commitment to one another and their shared values and goal setting was evident to me, uh, and they were able to find a way to transfer that goal setting and commitment to one another to the other groups in the team, the other pockets of the team, the other class years. And so sitting there in uh, early to mid-February before our first game, you, you, you could have seen that. Um, and, and the talent was there, you know, the talent was there and, um, and I think we, you know, have a really good, you know, uh, coaching staff. I think the coaching was on point. I I thought we were poised to have a really good year. Uh, again, you're, you're careful of, 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 you know, putting, you know, undue expectations on 18 to 22 year olds, but they had a sense of how good they could be. And the reason I think one of the big carryovers from the season before is that when we lost in the Sweet 16 the year before, we lost to Wesleyan out of Connecticut, they went on to win the national championship. And, um, you know, most teams would have been like, oh, what an opportunity. You know, if we had just, you know, if, if uh, our team and our group didn't look at it like that, they, they took the other approach that they said we were right there. And, and we, we, a couple, you know, a couple of twists and turns of that game, we could have been on the plus side of that game. Uh, and so that, again, reaffirmed how close we really were. Uh, and that almost acted as the championship game lost um, to, for us to kind of forge an identity to find a way to win to, to win a championship, uh, which happened this year. Um, you know, and so, you know, mid-February, early February, we were feeling pretty good that we were going to be one of the better teams in the country um, uh, with the aspiration of being the best. The fact that the championship game is at the link and 
once again, I'm talking early in the season. Do you yeah. allow yourself to think, man, wouldn't that be something if we could get to that well, and play I'll, here? I'll, I'll, I'll admit a funny story here. So a couple of years ago, uh, I don't even know how many years ago this. So I don't even think it was the last time. But the last time, it, it was definitely after 07, going back to what we were talking about. So when we started to feel like we were in that national championship discussions, we get shirts made out throughout the year. And, you know, you'll always see, you know, Cabrini Gross or whatever school in the front. And then you'll see little one-word and, you know, family, together, you know, all in, you know. And I was thinking, okay, well, how could I point this team in the right direction? So I went on and I found, you know, the year, that year the um, Final Four or the National Championship game was at Lincoln Financial. This was, and again, I don't remember what year this was, but not this year. And I went on, I said, how can I, you know, without making it obvious. So I went on and, and, and found the longitude and latitude of Lincoln Financial Stadium. And I had our... Screen guy, you know, screen it on the back of T-shirts, and I handed them out. Well, of course, it, you know, everyone's like, you know, I like, thought it was their locker combinations. <laughs> wasn't sure, you know, was this the the lotto numbers? What was it, you know? And, and they thought it was the Cabrini longitude and latitude. You know, finally they figured it out that it was Lincoln Financial. Uh, and um, so I, I didn't make that mistake twice, right? I didn't go back and have the dig those T-shirts out. I don't think, and I'll, I'll tell you why. Maybe we think that. And then we start to start to have some injuries to the beginning part of the year where we lost some pretty significant players right out of the gate. First game, we lose Matt Leparo, who's a two-time All-American. Third game, we lose Timmy Brooks, who's a two- or three-time All-American and captain. Um, you know, Tyler Kostak goes down. You know, Drew Hanna goes down. I mean, we had guys in and out of the lineup. And I, at that point, you weren't thinking about Lincoln Financial Stadium. You were thinking about how are we going to put together a practice plan to protect ourselves, to stay healthy, protect the assets we have left and is and I'm in the trainer's room, you know, every other minute figuring out are we getting any of these guys back and if so when and and what can we how can we utilize them. Um but never let the rest of the group see that, just kind of had to do it behind the scenes. So that it was at Lincoln Financial State, I probably forgot at one point, you know what I mean to mm-hmm. be honest with you. And then you get into the NCAA tournament and then you are literally focused game to game. The month of May is a comp- Complete blur to me. I, I know it happened. All right, I, I know. I know because we we got to June, um, but literally, it was it just one day at a time, one hour at a time. You know, one practice at a time. Literally, that's how it felt like. I thought it was interesting. So if I've got it right, it was DeSales, Springfield, York, Salisbury, and then Amherst. Those yeah. are the five yeah. NCAA tournament games. You lost two games during the regular season, yeah. and that was York and Salisbury. Yep. Did getting them that late in the tournament with the chip on your shoulder that they got us, not the, I don't want to insist that you need yeah. extra motivation, yeah, no, yeah. but did it help? maybe grind through at that high level. Yeah, I, I would, I'd be lying if I didn't say yes in some degree. Again, you, when you're getting ready to play York, who, who you really struggle with in the regular season, I mean, you know, we scrambled to get back in that game in the second half, but probably played the worst first half of lacrosse in, in, in the last 10 plus years of our program. Credit to York, credit to their coaching staff. Um, you know, when you, you survive the Springfield game and you're watching the bracket play out, uh, you're thinking, okay, well, we, we got a second chance, uh, but sometimes you got to be careful what you wish for, right, at the same time. Uh, and and you know, now we have to go back out there where we played earlier in the season and didn't have a lot of success. Uh, and as fate would have it, we um, the second worst half of lacrosse we may have played would have been the first half of that NCAA tournament game. You know, I think we scored one goal in that first half. But when I looked at the stats at halftime and I looked at kind of the kids' eyes, I felt like we were okay, you know. And I walked down very calm and collected and said, fellas, we're good. You know, we're really good. I think we're doing the right thing. We're executing the game plan. I think shots will start to fall. Just stay true to the game plan. Play for one another. And I didn't know we'd get to overtime and we'd score on a dive goal and and there would be that that kind of uh, theatrics and heroics, and especially from Mike Gersbeck. But, you know... um, and then to get in our second opportunity at Salisbury in the same order that we played them. We played them in back-to-back in the regular season, too. I mean, you know, the irony, the coincidence, um, you know, it can't be lost on anyone, you know, and having the opportunity to, to avenge both of those games. Someone said it to you after the year, like, you won every game on – you beat every team, I should say. You beat every team on your schedule. 
Right. Right. And but you had two losses. It's a little bit of a riddle, you know. And when you look at it, you go back through and say, okay, you lost, but the two teams you lost to, you had an opportunity to come back and beat later in the year. Um, and for us, you know, York is a team that has really just gotten very strong over the last, you know, eight to ten years. Um, Coach Childs does a wonderful job out there, and Salisbury is is the predominant favor in our game. You know, they're a twelve-time national champ. Coach Berkman wants more games, uh, has won more games in college cross than any other coach in in the history of the sport. Um, they're formidable, right? And, and to have an opportunity to compete against them is always an honor. To have an opportunity to beat them anytime is 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 an honor. To beat them in the final four to go to your first national championship, you know, is is, is special. You know what I mean? And and um, so um, you know, yeah. I mean, it was it was pretty special to have that opportunity. You know. So let's talk about you wake up. I think one of the neatest things you get to play at the link. You get to play yeah. it up. So you're waking up in your own bed. That morning before you play Amherst, or did no, you guys, no, did you guys shuttle yeah, off? Yeah. No, you have to come down. Yeah, we had to come down Friday night. We did ask. We did ask, can we stay home? Yeah. You know, and uh, they said, no, that's not an option. You know, they obviously want a level playing right. field, right? And uh, and I was like, listen, we'll save the NCAA some money here. You know, I mean, I know that TV deal may not have gone through for this and that. Uh, and they said, no, you got to come down. And uh, I'm so glad that that was the coach in me, right, thinking like, well, you know, keep them comfortable, sleep in their own beds, and they would have missed out on a wonderful experience. You know, because we live in Philadelphia, we work in Philadelphia around the area, you don't come to Philadelphia as a visitor much, right? So we came in on a bus and stayed in Old City and had dinner in the city and got to go over to the Final Four banquet at at, uh, the USS New Jersey, Um, had a police escort around the city, probably the coolest thing ever, you know what I mean? You feel like the Rolling Stones meets the New York Yankees, you know, uh, uh, it's just awesome. You know, Memorial Day weekend, anywhere you go on the bus, the um, the police escort takes you. And so what you're looking at, your Google Maps is going to take you 45 minutes, ended up taking us like four minutes um, because of that. Um, and uh, it was just great coming down and having our group and, the, and our whole program came uh, and having that. So, yeah, you wake up in that hotel, you know, a uh, nice hotel and have a nice breakfast and everything's very nice. But it's it's there's some moments there you're like, oh my God, like where, what is going on here? You know, and, and you dream about it and you think about it, what it's going to be like. And then when it becomes very close to becoming a reality, you're like, are we prepared? You know, are we mentally and physically prepared to go out there and, and, and perform in, in this venue? Um, but, um, you know, the, the guys, they, they were and they were relaxed. And, and that was the thing. They were relaxed throughout the entire week. Um, and I think our coaching staff did a great job of keeping them relaxed. Someone very smart said, listen, you don't need to remind them that they're playing in a national championship. You don't need to remind them that they're playing in an NFL stadium. And you don't need to remind them that they're playing in the biggest game they've ever played in in their career in any sport. They know all these things, right? And, and I thought, you're right. You know, how many times do you see, hey, you know, those speeches and those reminders, and if you drop that ball, you're going to cost this team a national championship, and you're going to look like, you know, make us... And that just builds anxiety, and, 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 and that just doesn't need to be there. And so we never even really mentioned it. I and mean, we just kept it as normal as we could until we had to get on the bus and go down to, to the city and, and had nice dinners and spent time with one another and, and, uh, and just had like a really fun weekend. You know what I mean? Uh, a lot more fun winning, right? You know, but still, at the end of the day, if the outcome wasn't the same, I think those kids, all the kids that got to take that weekend trip with us, it was still memorable. And you mentioned... Uh, I think it was halftime at York. You looked in the eyes and you knew they're okay. Yeah. Locker room pregame. You talked about how relaxed they are. Do you, as you scan the room, are you like, "Eh, we're we're, we're where we need to be and uh, let's go? Yeah. I think I came in and they were playing music. And at one point, because the D2 national championship game was before us and that went a little bit longer. So you have, you know, ambassadors who are with the NCAA and stadium people are coming in saying, hey, coach, you're going to be a little delayed. And, you know, we're out in the hallways, coaches, you know, making our final prep. And I think we walked in to the locker room to make that announcement and our guys were having a dance contest. Uh, (laughs) Honest to God. Uh, And, you know, that moment, you know, they're pretty relaxed. Uh, and um, you don't want him to get him too loosey goosey. You go down. I think we went down two nothing to start the game. You're thinking, oh boy, maybe we're too, we're not dialed in. Um, and that wasn't the case at all. Just Amherst made two really good plays, and then we had to adjust and stop them. But uh, yeah, I mean, again, the leadership and and um, the guys within the room kept our our the guys loose and and confident and focused. And uh, I think they um, they seized the moment. When is the this is happening moment? For you, 
I guess, you know, I mean, the ball goes down. I, you know, again, I, I don't know if I've watched the full game all the way through. Um, um, but, I mean, the ball goes down um, to our their end, and then they turn it over, and, and I think either Bobby Cressman or Tommy DeLuca has it in the corner, and he's wheeling in the you know, you look up and you see the clock, probably under 30 seconds, we have the ball, we're holding four goals, there's a, re- there's a realization like this is happening. There's, there's no play. As coaches, you're always planning contingencies, right? right? <laughs> what if they hit a three-pointer here and they're fouling? You know, you have to. Yeah, Your brain just, it's hard to disconnect. Coach Garling, our D coordinator, tells the funny, so he's running up and down, calling defenses and screaming with two seconds on the clock, right? And half our team's on the, half our program's on the field already, but a dog pile, and he's still coaching. Um, so, I mean, it, it, that moment right there, um, you get, uh, you start to realize it's it's happening, you know, and what next, you know, and, and what do we do? And, and uh, so those are those are special moments, yeah. How long, what is the rest of that night like after you win uh, after press conference yeah. all that kind of stuff yeah i mean it's uh you go back into uh, the locker room you have some quiet moments with your team you know sort of quiet <laughs> you know uh and they're yelling and screaming and uh dancing and and uh having fun and being 18 to 22 and, and really enjoying life and and uh got a chance to spend some time with the coaches uh, we clean up, you know, basically uh, the, the security guards at the link were awesome. You know, they let us probably hang a little bit longer than they wanted to be. Uh, they kept saying us, telling us, hey, if we weren't from Philly, we, we would have been out of here a long time ago. And they were great. They were awesome. They were really uh, neat guys. And, and really, um, I think uh, we really got lucky with that. Uh, and then we got a chance to go across to uh, Darien Street and brought the trophy over and to the, the, the sea of Cabrini uh, blue and, and uh, the alums and the parents and it's just awesome. Just awesome. Is there one story, one anecdote that leads to you're a national champion? Something, did you have the first moment where you're like, well, life is indeed different now? Other than doing this podcast with Matt Leon and KYW. Uh, you know, there's been moments, you know, I, I, someone said this summer, it was funny, a good buddy of mine, we were walking, we were doing a recruiting camp and, 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 and he, he joked and he said, you know, oh, he's like, and he was, you know, he's like, oh my God, every time they introduce you now anywhere, it's going to be like, you know, now speaking national championship head coach, Steve Colfer, like you realize, and I'm like, that sounds weird. You know what I mean? And like just little moments like that, you know what I mean? And, and again, the program won the national championship, you know what I mean? And, and all those alums that. We wouldn't be here today, and our program wouldn't have the success in 19 if it wasn't for the 07 team and the 12 team and the 15 team. You know, and again, I really mean that um, because I feel like those guys left something behind for the next group to carry a little further. And, and yeah, maybe we didn't take the express lane to the championship. Um, but we took the best way we knew how. Um, and uh, I think just spending those times with those those guys, those alums, and seeing how proud and happy they were, just just awesome. And uh, you know, it, it's it's um, there's there's not really um, when people say what what was different last year. It's 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 one thing. It's a million things. You know, and I mean, you can point to individual storylines. You can point to the personalities. You can point to the draw in the NCAA tournament, and the ability to uh, for, to seek redemption, and you know against teams that that, that blemished your record earlier in the year, um, it's it's just all those things, the combination of all those things, and and when you put it all together, it allowed us to be put in a position to compete and and for a championship, and and the kids took advantage of it. So, and do you think? And you mentioned like you know how oh seven, but like yeah. all these they set the table and helped to. Does the fact that you been at that high level for so long and been close and and been a little frustrated to finally break through does it enhance it because of you know what that journey's like and what it takes to get to the top of the mountain yeah I mean and I was very I tried to express that you know in my post-game comments you know as best I could and and I really engaged with some of the media too that that over the years I've gotten to know that really went out of their way to cover our program or tell a story about our program and and really that that helped advance our program our brand uh and uh and I made them say like listen there 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 there's another program there's another coach like me out there go find him you know tell his story um don't forget about us you know um we're not done yet um but you know Guys like yourself and and people in the media and and and, and storytellers and so forth, 
they they're all critical. You know, uh, X and O's a lot of times are the exact same between program and program. It, it's sometimes the perception. So there are um, other programs out there that are you know as talented and and will maybe take a similar approach and 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 ultimately be crowned a national champion. And they'll know exactly kind of how we feel now. Um, and uh, but yeah, exactly to your point. We did take the long way, and maybe that's why it does feel so darn good, you know, to get here. Um, but, uh, you know, hopefully we don't have to take another 20 years to go get another one. And final question, kind of, uh, you've been at Cabrini for 20 years, and one of the interesting things that has come to light doing this podcast, and my colleague, Tom Rickard, who you yeah. met earlier, noticed this because he kind of comes into this as a neutral arbitrator. We got about 10, 11, 12 episodes in. And he's like, why does everybody have a connection to Cabrini? Like we had like three or four <laughs> yeah. people. We had Jackie Neary, yeah, who's yeah. Right. still there, but sure. other people who had come through or had yeah. been mentored or started their coaching career here. What do you think it is about Cabrini that it has that type of six degrees of Kevin Bacon uh, uh, type feel to it with the athletic it's programs? It's funny you see that. I, I mean, I think it's, it's just, it's been, a, it's, it's been a big family, you know, and, and uh, people have, I think that's that word spreads. So when I'm a young aspiring coach, you know, and I'm looking for destinations, maybe I work really hard to try to get on to a Cabrini coaching staff in any sport. Um, maybe I try to, you know, uh, befriend one of the longtime coaches there in, in my sport of choice to, you know, kind of see what they're about and how we do it. But yeah, to, you know, Jackie and, and, and there's a number of coaches that have been there for a number of years. And, and so our coaching trees and, and our administration trees and, and, uh, it's just, it's, it's, it's a, it's a very big family. Um, and when people say, Hey, you know, over the years as our program has gotten better, you know, you know, a lot of my buddies, when are you moving on? When are you going to division one? When are you getting this? And, and I was never in, what I would be searching for is what I have. And uh, and I think a lot of people um, in other sports and other athletic programs at Cabrini uh, and even in some of the other administrative offices have felt the same way. You're going out to search for something that you quickly realize you already have right in front of you. Uh, and uh, I think we're very fortunate in that. And I think it, it, it speaks to uh, uh, the legacy of the university, um, the quality of the people that have attended there, worked there, uh, taught there, uh, and will continue to do so. Um, so I'm ecstatic to hear that, that there are, is that six degrees of separation <laughs> from our university and from our athletic program and, and even from, you know, maybe a little bit from our lacrosse program. Um, but I think that's a, a wonderful testament um, to the founders and, and to the committed administration and, and the longtime faculty that have, um, you know, really dedicated to their life to, to Cabrini College, now University. Steve Colfer, men's lacrosse coach, Cabrini University, thanks so much for coming in. Thank you, Matt. And that will do it for this week's show. One-on-one is an original sports podcast from KYW News Radio. If you like this show and want to help us out, make sure you are subscribed so you don't miss an episode. You can help more people find out about the podcast by finding the show on Apple Podcasts and leaving a rating and a review. You can follow the show on Twitter at one-on-one pod, and you can follow me on Twitter as well at Matt Leon1060. Many thanks to Cabrini men's lacrosse coach and Division Three national champion Steve Colfer for coming in this week. My name is Matt Leon. Come back next week for another good conversation with someone you should know more about.